SBF coming home, extradited to the US. Prison wasn't so great for him, so he wanted to, you know, work his way home. Uh, Brian Armstrong makes regulation proposals that we wish that we had, and also Visa steps into the Ethereum frontier. What does that mean? Bankless Nation, it is the Friday before the holidays. David, what time is it? Oh, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up, Brian, where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, and we are almost at the finish line of 2022. Thank the Lord. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you have not yet grabbed a morning coffee to enjoy the weekly news in crypto with us, please do. Put some put some Baileys in this one because, yeah. uh, you know, let's get festive today. Why not? All the, all the calls I've been having with people have been like, they've been at their parents' house or something, mm-hmm. like visiting family this week. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and you are there too, right? So you're yeah. on the West Coast today. I am uh, freezing my absolute tail off in the bottom of my sister's house with a sleeping baby <laughs> in the next room. So this is a guys, different kind of weekly roll-up. Guys, I, I want you to know this level of dedication, all right? <laughs> this is what David Hoffman does. On his holiday, while he's with family, sleeping babies, it's the crack of dawn when there, there's we're recording no sun. this on the West Coast. There's no sun out, and we're still getting a weekly roll-up to you of course. Um, right before I, I take off myself. All right, David, so what are we going to talk about this week? What are the topics of course, there are some SBF updates. Uh, he is no longer, right, in the Bahamas. He is in New York uh, with hanging out with the FBI. Uh, so that's just, what's just go- visiting family too. <laughs> just, you know, just visiting <laughs> temporarily, uh, or okay. perhaps more permanent. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about all of the SBF drama. Caroline Ellison apparently cooperating with the Fed. So we'll talk about that too. Uh, Brian Armstrong proposes crypto legislation that we wish we had uh so we'll unpack all of that and also visa is taking a big step into the frontier of ethereum protocol development we'll talk about all of that and more one of the things as well that's going on this week is binance is talking about bailing out voyager doing the thing that sbf promised to do but was never able to manage so that's an emerging story as well david let's get to the markets man what's bitcoin doing to us today uh, it's going down. Uh, it started uh, at 17,000. Yeah, for us. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We are feeling the Bitcoin. Yeah. It is at 17,700 at the start of the week, ending the week at 16,700, down about 6% on the week. Down 6%. Okay. So yeah, this, is, um, the, this is a little bit of a, the timing of the measurement. We just happened to start last week at a little bit of a high and now we're kind of back to like two weeks is flat. I mean, but like 1600, that doesn't feel great, nope. does it? No, it does not. I mean, not. we are below no, the not. 20 uh the 2017 all-time high aren't yep. we for bitcoin yes, by a lot yeah mm-hmm. how about ETH? that's also below the 20 <laughs> oh, big uh, 18 yeah all-time yeah. high yeah what's 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 ETH doing on the week down six percent on the week as well 1270 down to 1200 a little bit more than bitcoin uh bitcoin was a little bit less than six ETH is a little bit more than six percent down on the week guys i don't think we're gonna get uh our bullish recovery our v-shaped recovery in 2022 mm-hmm. no. i feel like that's a safe one to call huh david yeah people were <laughs> end down people were kind of bullish for a, a green december but december so far seems to be pretty weak and we're pre- we're down on the year like if we look at the, the yeah year we're down on the Bitcoin year ETH, <laughs> what do you I mean, mean we're but, down okay. on the year <laughs> well no actually so no what ETH, eth was like at the start of this year so december 23rd of last year I remember it being in like the 800s, something like this. So I, I think we're up from that at least. Wow. When I look at the charts, Wait. I know that seemed like a long time ago. No, 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 no. You're you're skipping. You're two years. You're thinking in two years right now. Am I really? Yes, you are. Yeah, because ETH oh, was four thousand dollars in December That's of last embarrassing. year. Guys, the years are not yeah. blending together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Cancel yeah. that. That was yeah. wrong. It's um, out to two years, and you can. I was thinking about 2020 yeah, of December, exactly. wasn't I? Yeah, you got you got confused because we were recently talking about this when we were doing our ETH uh, bull case or ETH with the bulls that we recently did, which I believe yeah. comes out Monday. Yeah, it does. No, guys, you were yeah, thinking so, in two-year time frames. Sorry, brother. All right, so we're up on the two-year, though, David. <laughs> That's the, the silver lining. But look at the one-year. Wow, we were one year, we were one year is f- literally down only. We were four k last year at this yep. time on ETH. Um, yep. Definitely down. Definitely complete, down here. in complete denial of a bear market. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I basically was subconsciously for yeah. a minute there. Uh-huh. Uh, how about the ETH Bitcoin ratio? What's that looking like? ETH Bitcoin ratio down one and a half percent. We are down to point zero seven one eight. Uh, we shaved off a nice two trillion dollars this year in terms of crypto market cap. I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are under a trillion dollars. What's this number this week, David? Yeah, we are, we are at roughly nine hundred billion in total market cap last week. Eight hundred and thirty-seven billion is the total market cap this week. Oof! Yikes! A uh, few trillion down. Um, but I want to say to everyone listening to Bankless, and uh, we know you guys have been with us through this uh, mighty fall from from four thousand all the way down to uh, to twelve hundred. Uh, congratulations <laughs> to you because you have survived. 2022 yeah it's almost over uh this is a market that as i just mentioned is two trillion down from the top in crypto that's a that's a lot of zeros um down we've also suffered the worst inflation david in over 40 years uh and we had the death of one of the three largest crypto exchanges this year ftx just evaporated Mm. sbf is literally in jail right now (laughs) and not just an exchange an algo stablecoin all of the biggest like lending platforms, Celsius, BlockFi, Voyager, the biggest hedge funds mm-hmm. in crypto all evaporated last year. And yet you, you are still here. You are still listening. You survived. And I think that is worthy of yeah. some holiday celebration. Congratulations for surviving 2022. You definitely earned it. Yeah, that's, it's worth noting that like it, it was not easy to do that. It was not nope. easy to get through 2022. <laughs> and this is one of the, if you zoom out as to what crypto is going to do for society and for all markets, all financial markets, like holding on to your crypto assets from now into 20 years from now is not easy. Like people get whipped off by volatility. They get enticed by leverage. They play in the shitcoin casino. If you are still around, congrats. That was not a hard thing to do. That took mental resolve. That that's the thing. When you say David, it's not easy. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. It is not easy, and yet, David, it is so 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 simple. It's isn't simple. It? It's not easy. It's just like a whole bunch of things you don't, don't do. do. Yeah, yeah. Just hold. How about that? Yeah. Just hold, rather right. than going margin, rather than playing in kind of the shitcoin casino, rather than like aping mm-hmm. into you the latest NFT. Right. You just hold for the long term, and you would have. Uh, been fine through this mm-hmm. as long as you can bear like these kind of uh you know 70 to 80 percent right. downs from from all-time high mm-hmm. um but there is a silver lining here and that is DeFi is rising look at this this is the decentralized exchange user growth across all chains and this starts in um january of, of 2020 over two years uh look at this the number of dex traders over time on ethereum we're above five million now we're, mm-hmm. we're closing in on seven million and that was basically nothing two years ago yeah. on Ethereum. And we're also seeing this on Polygon, okay? We have almost the same amount 
of uh, total decentralized exchange traders on Polygon now. Uh, Binance Smart Chain, Solana as well, up. Optimism, massively up. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is a layer two. So we're seeing some Ooh, massive Optimism bright- currently is, is accelerating more than any of those previous charts. It really is. And uh, let, let's talk about that a little bit more, David. This is a, a stat from Layer 2 Beat, which tracks the progress of Layer 2s. What are we looking at? Yeah, it, it's specifically this uh, framing that they use scaling factor. Uh, so in this graphic that we're looking at, in the last 60 days, the scaling factor of Layer 2s was 2.4x, as in 2.4 times the amount of Ethereum Layer 1 transactions happened on Layer 2. I really like this this new metric, scaling factor. I think that's going to be a metric that sticks around. Okay, and so basically 2.4x, mm-hmm. it says over the past 60 days, there was 2.4 more transactions in the Ethereum ecosystem thanks to Layer 2s. Mm-hmm. So that is basically doubling the scalability of Ethereum. Right, yeah. So uh, 63 million transactions happened on the ETH Layer 1, uh, and 88 million transactions happened on Layer 2s. Cool. Uh yeah, very cool. Um, here's another stat for you too, David, on layer twos. Layer twos have actually flipped the Ethereum base layer in terms of aggregate transactions per second. Mm-hmm. And you can see that in the chart. Layer twos are in the green here. And ever since October, mm-hmm. they've been uh, above yeah, Ethereum above, yeah. in terms of transaction activity. Pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, I expect this to only continue into 2023. Uh the, the 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 lapping also can apply here as well like can we when when can we get to 10x ethereum layer one's tra- uh, transactional activity probably sometime oh. in 2023 i bet i i definitely think that's coming um and let's talk about some of the the old DeFi uh coins as well maker dow recently experienced an increase in revenues and that's interesting imagine a DeFi protocol generating revenue maker dow has done this fairly consistently uh, especially in thanks to real-world assets. WRA is, is is the acronym for that. The real-world asset category is uh, expanding pretty quickly in Maker. What are we looking at here, David? Yeah, so this is a, a chart that shows the distribution of types of assets inside of MakerDAO, and that blue section in the top right corner is the real-world asset section, which is now over 50% of all types of assets inside of MakerDAO. Uh, and you can, if you click that uh, chart right there, you can see how much money that they are making. Uh, speaking of charts that are going up and to the right, uh, this chart was basically nothing in January and April of this year and is now over 60, uh, $600 million of revenue from real world assets going into the MakerDAO treasury. Uh, and like this is a landscape that no other DeFi app is going after. And like, some people it don't like it because it's, it's centralization risk, it's real world risk. That's a fair take, fine. Uh, but also just like think about being able to charge interest rates on the world. Like no other DeFi app has that in their sites other than MakerDAO. And they're actually executing on this $600 million in revenue a year going into MakerDAO by charging real companies real money. I think that's bullish. And these real world assets are things like treasury bonds, Mm -hmm. um, zero to one year maturity, one to three year maturity. So these are traditional legacy uh, assets that are being put into these DeFi protocols. There's also really cool uh, to see. there's also real estate in there as well, but much much less than that. Real estate, tokenized yeah. real estate, David. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, let Let's talk about what you're doing during the bear market. I was mm-hmm. thinking about this as we we're preparing the the roll up for today. Um, what to do during a bear market? I came up with f- four answers to this, uh, and I want to get your take on this, David. Number one, I think, what what do you do during the bear market? Invest in yourself. 
and acquire skills. This could not be more important. This is a fantastic way and time to build market marketable talent, things, skills that you can sell to uh, crypto companies. That's number one. Number two, start a side hustle in crypto. So if you're not fully employed in crypto, then then it's your full-time hustle. But uh, if you're not, this is a great time to begin experimenting. I mean, join uh, various DAOs, for instance, start a side hustle. Bankless started as a side hustle for both of us, didn't it, David? Um, so even if you have a some sort of opportunity or role in, in crypto, you could still engage in side hustle. It's a very side hustle-friendly uh, environment. Number three, dollar cost average into the gems. Not financial advice, of course. Uh, my take is 70% ETH. That's what I'm doing. And then 30% other. Dollar cost averaging in during the bear market is another thing to do. And number four, build your network and meet as many people as you can. It's a fantastic time to meet more settlers like yourself, more builders. This is the best time. Like they are, all, of the, all of the people who are here for kind of the short-term gains, they're gone. They're out of the space mostly. And so there's a lot of signal in the space now and a lot of quality people. And this is a time to begin building relationships, build out your network, get on Zoom calls with people, get in people's DMs, um, provide some value to them, write articles, uh, publish publish posts, uh, you know, contribute in some way to the ecosystem and build those relationships. So these are my ideas for a uh, bear market. What's your take on this, David? And um, wh- I'm curious what gems you're buying. Are you dollar cost averaging in yet? And what are you looking at? Oh, I'm always dollar cost averaging in. Like that that button never turns off for sure. I'm looking at these <laughs> at these one through fours and I'm just like being taken back to the 2018 to 2020 bear market because this is exactly this is exactly what what I did. What you did? But, yeah. So I, <laughs> I, know. I was got, kind of thinking about you during this. Yeah, exactly. Got in got out of physical therapy and into uh consulting inside of the crypto space. So that was my number and that was my number one. Uh starting a side hustle was my first podcast before before starting the Bankless podcast, which like was also developed Developing skills for the Bankless podcast, uh, of course, was buying uh, dollar cost averaging. I was definitely doing. You could also call it dumping a paycheck uh, every single two weeks. Uh, same, same. Uh, but then, and then number four, like it's number four is where one through three get expressed. So make yourself better, acquire skills, start a side hustle that you can talk to people about, uh, get skin in the game. But then go out and meet people because it. Like, like Ryan said, when you meet people in the bear market, it hits different than a bull market. Because if you meet people during a bull market, like sometimes I'm like, are you going to be here in two years? Like, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to like expend my time engaging with you and I don't know you're going to be here in two years. When you meet people in a bear market, you don't have that query. Like every everyone understands like, oh, we are in it. We are here together. And so like it's just easier to build a network in that uh, context. Honestly, I think all four of these could be its own separate like a post or podcast that we talk about, but but could you talk about number four for for a minute? Because I consider you very good at this, build, building a network and meeting as many people as you can. And so, what does this mean in crypto? Like networking, right? Does this mean you're going to crypto conferences and handing out your business card? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, like what? It does not mean how that. do you act? Okay, it's not that. So, how do you actually meet people, and how do you find the right people to meet? Because um, you know, there's there's definitely a, an eighty twenty rule with respect to the people. Like you want to find the kind of the, you know, the the twenty percent that would deliver eighty percent of the value. Um, you know, to 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 include in your network and get in a relationship. So how do you even screen those people? How do you find them? What's your method? 
It's a little bit about are you seeing the same people on a reoccurring basis? And this works both inside of conferences in real life, but also Twitter, too. Uh, you can build a network on Twitter is what it is for. Uh, and so if you are showing up on Twitter and providing value on Twitter, you will just naturally grow followers. And then you'll also start to become first in Twitter. You'll see other people engaging in your tweets and you can grow a network on Twitter. And this is when Ryan said, like, don't be afraid to slip into someone's DMs, grow a relationship that way. So, you know, and and Twitter is just like the precursor to in real life conferences, by the way. Uh, and so when you are tweeting and stuff and you are engaging with people and others, you will see many of those people at conferences. And then when you go to your second conference or your third conference or just meetups in general, uh, you'll start to see the same reoccurring cast of characters. Uh, and you ha have to be social and you have to be able to go up and say hi. Uh, yeah, you can go into our Twitter DMs. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, going into our Twitter DMs and scrolling up and to actually track this. When, when did we first start talking? Wow. Was uh, it, uh, my first our DM first to you in December 1st, 2018, <laughs> I said to you, I do not understand the resistance to Ethereum on behalf of so many bidders, Bitcoiners. It is utterly confusing <laughs> to me. Wow. We have not changed at all. <laughs> that was the first DM you sent me. And then... Uh, I said, I've been trying to figure this out well as well. At the core, the value systems appear so similar. Wow. Wow. We are have um, not changed tune whatsoever. Yeah. And then back and forth. Um, maximalism is blinding. This is the beginning of a conversation we had yeah. where, uh, you know, David just got in my DMs and I was reading some of his work that he was mm -hmm. posting on Medium. And then um, we just, I mean, from there, it, it developed. It took, a, it took a while. It took many months for us to start like working together on the newsletter yeah. mm -hmm. and then eventually starting a podcast. But that's mm -hmm. where we started in, in the depths of the bear market in 2018. Yeah. Wow, 2018. What a throwback. Anyways, <sighs> just uh, something to consider is uh, optimizing for luck surface area which means putting yourself out there putting value out there like when you are investing in yourself and acquiring skills make sure you find a way to broadcast those skills so you can let people know that you're a useful person uh, and then just start growing the relationships in ways that are create serendipity um that and that can be true on twitter that can be true on Substack. that can be true in real life events that just casual meetups um but I, I would emphasize that in real life meetups do provide value that you kind of can't get in the metaverse because it's like meeting humans meet face to face, Ryan. <laughs> I feel so attacked right now. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about some of the gems piece mm -hmm. of it, right? Of course, mm -hmm. you know, everyone listening knows we are bullish ETH and you'll, yeah. uh, you'll find that out even more when our episode on Monday comes out. There's some other gems in this market too. Um, Ryan Selkis was recently on the Bankless podcast. He called a bottom for DeFi. I think mm -hmm. there's some really interesting uh, De DeFi tokens out there. Again, not mm -hmm. financial advice, but um, that's something that uh, I'm looking at. Also, even in the public markets, David, this is a tweet from uh, from Matt Hogan about Coinbase. What's he saying here? Yeah, so he, he tweets out saying, Coinbase raised money in 2018 at an $8 billion valuation. It is currently trading at a $9 billion valuation. Meanwhile, revenues are up in that same time frame from $520 million to $3.3 billion. Users are up from $22 million to $101 million. And assets on the platform are up from $11 billion to $101 billion. So same valuation going back four, four and a half years. Uh, but meanwhile, all the metrics are up about a 5x, 5 to 6x, uh, sometimes a 10x on assets on the platform. So like... Dude, the Coinbase stock hit a low of $35 when it opened up at like something like $450. Like Coinbase stock is one of going to be like one of the most generational buys of all time. It's got to be. Uh, not financial I think, buys. I, I, don't, stock... I don't own any because I don't own in stocks, but whatever. Yeah. I, um, I mean, 
these numbers are pretty compelling to be yeah. honest. My only question when I whenever I have some some money to dollar cost average in is okay, should I do this or should I go buy some more ETH? Right. Right. That's kind of it's, the question. It's always ETH. It's always they're ETH certainly correlated. Um anyway, uh there you go, guys. A lot of things you can do during the bear market to keep busy. David, what do we have coming up next? <laughs> SBF coming home, extradited to the US. Prison wasn't so great for him. So he wanted to, you know work his way home. Uh, Brian Armstrong makes regulation proposals that we wish that we had, and also Visa steps into the Ethereum frontier. What does that mean? All of this and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless. SBF back in the USA, maybe not of his own will. I'm not sure. There's an extradition here, but it sounds like the prison system in Bahamas left something to be desired. We'll talk about that. Just, um, I guess, getting into this Again, Jake Chervinsky had a fantastic summary. He tweeted this out. Two months ago, SBF was debating the future of crypto policy, and nobody knew FTX was a sham. One month ago, SBF was apologizing for losing billions, and everyone worried for losing billions, and everyone worried he might get away with fraud. Today, SBF is in FBI custody, and his chief co-conspirators have pleaded guilty. It's amazing how fast all this has unfolded jake says it's very rare to see criminal prosecutions move so quickly Hmm. that's the high level context look how fast all of that happened two months ago sbf was on this podcast debating crypto policy right and now he's in jail and uh in fbi (laughs) custody so (laughs) i don't know uh if this bodes well for uh other previous Uh, bankless guests other guests please don't take that too seriously (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you know just don't steal customer deposits it's fine look it's not it's honestly not that hard to um do well in crypto but just by playing long-term games but sbf was clearly not playing that so give us the stories it sounds like sbf was having a bad time Mm -hmm. in jail in the bahamas what were the conditions like and what might have led to his uh extradition to the u.s so the the conditions of the bahamian jail are uh, not not great. Um, there are like buckets, for example, that are required for all inmates. Uh, you can guess what those get used for. Uh, there there was uh, oof. This this report says cells were infested with rats, maggots, and insects. Uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and guess that it was a miserable place to be. And so it made it really easy for SBF to just like wave the white flag and say, fine, just extradite me to the United States. If that's how it happened, that kind of makes sense. Uh, I don't really know if that's how that happened, but uh, that's what people are speculating as to the how bad the Bahamian prison was. Just like SBF was like, fine, extradite me. Uh, yeah, so, he's like, I don't want to spend Christmas here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, send me send me home to mom and dad. Uh, so now he is in New York City. Uh, so that was last night at the time of recording. So Wednesday night, Thursday morning, he was flown from... From the Bahamas to New York City in custody of the FBI, uh, and that is where he currently resides. Uh, so SBF, wow, looking unshaven and unkempt and definitely pretty sweaty, uh, being escorted off a plane in, uh, in, or excuse me, that is a photo of him being escorted onto a plane in the Bahamas. Uh, yeah, and def- now, definitely a different climate he's entering in, in yeah, New York City at yeah, the, this time of year. Yeah, for sure. He's probably cold. Uh, interesting so, is that Alameda's Caroline Ellison and FTX's Gary Wing, Wang have pled guilty to the Department of Justice fraud charges and also have settled with the SEC and CFTC. They've uh, already I, settled? Um, uh, apparently, or either that or looking to settle. Yeah. So okay. like they have been talking. Uh, the SEC and also CFTC has charged Ellison uh, with market manipulation of the price of FTT. No surprises there. Uh, but it looks like that they are 
moving faster than SBF is when it comes to uh, going down the the prisoner's dilemma uh, rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I you know you have to wonder what those private conversations were mm-hmm. like, but um, I bet it was it was a lot of like full cooperation, and I'm you know, happy to uh, rat SBF out, mm-hmm. and I have no loyalty to him. I bet it was some of that. Maybe that's why this case is moving so fast. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, what's also interesting is that now that this uh, asset recovery program has uh, uh, started, they're actually starting to find money. Uh, So a new headline uh, out of uh, Defiant says FTX finds $1 billion inside of hundreds of company bank accounts (laughs) with with no less than $720 million of cash. So it's not like illiquid FTT tokens. They found $720 million of cash. In just hundreds, in of, hundreds of bank accounts. Hundreds of bank accounts. <laughs> this is this kind of feels like with me and my my multiple times I got the Uniswap airdrop because I was too chaotic to own my own Ethereum addresses. So I just had like twenty <laughs> the of couch them. Cushions. Yeah, the couch cushions. But yeah. I didn't Shout have customer deposits. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, or if I could help with this, uh, yeah. guys, if it was, uh, if this was, these were all DeFi wallets, but uh, oh okay, God. but um, so they're just like searching the couch cushions, basically. But yeah, you, you know what's impressive? Hundreds of company uh, of, of company bank accounts. And have you ever seen those those pictures of the um, the, the org structure uh-huh. of this? FTX Empire and Alameda yeah. and all of the companies and sub companies and, and yeah, joint ownership things. It's an absolute mess. It looks like a I circuit am, board. I'm almost blown away by the complexity of this mm-hmm. and how he was able to accomplish this. Yet that's almost like, you know, FTX has only been around for what, like four years, something like this. Yeah, less. It's yeah. It's, it's like starting a, a new bank account like every couple of days. Every two to three days, you're starting a new bank account, forming a new company. That's got to be somebody's job. Like, how do you even do all of this? (laughs) It's impressive at that level uh, from a scam perspective. (laughs) <laughs> from a scam perspective anyways uh in addition to just finding their own money they uh, are, have also engaged in clawbacks uh and so it's a, a article out of the guardian says ftx intends to commence actions before the bankruptcy court to require the returns of such payments political da- donations with interest accruing from the date any action is commenced sharing an email address ftx repay at ftx.us that recipients could use to voluntarily return money. Recipients are cautioned that making a payment or a donation to a third party, including a charity, in the amount of any payment received from an FTX contributor does not prevent FTX debtors from seeking recovery from the recipient or of any subsequent transferee, they added in a statement, basically saying, hey, uh, we're coming for you. Hold on to that money because uh, that's ours. Don't spend it. Don't politicians, spend it. Yeah. The politicians, the celebrities, the charities. Mm-hmm. This means, I guess, Kevin O'Leary yeah. will have to give back his uh, $15 million. Does this, do you think this means the. Um, I bet, Kobe I bet he the, actually keeps it because uh, that was actually a payment to him. You think? So that's, that's different? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, actually, yeah, I'd be interested in it. Like, like, Donations, uh, so, I think. I mean, so they signed a contract with Kevin O'Leary, I'm assuming. But, but he should give it back I, anyways. What are the, he definitely should. <laughs> I kind of wonder about like, you know, uh, Kobe and Ledger at up only if they'll be subject to this clawback too. Yeah. I mean, it's not a ton of no, money. But they, like, no, because it's like there. a, it's a contract that they signed with them for services. And they've rendered the services. Yeah. And they've performed the services and I, I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, yeah. What constitutes a clawback? Look, definitely if you, 
if you're Kevin O'Leary, you should give the fifteen million dollars. Yeah, if you're Kevin back. O'Leary, you should if you're a politician, yeah. you should definitely give the money Absolutely. back to you. That's a really yeah. bad look um, yeah. to just keep that money and spend it on campaign yeah. the, financing. The, the headline of this is FTX seeks to claw back donations to politicians and charities. Do you so, know? Um, I have. Uh, I feel like I have closure on SBF at the end of twenty twenty two. If he wasn't in jail, if there wasn't prosecution ongoing, like I would have felt like uh, we were wounded in twenty twenty two, and the wound is still open. It's mm-hmm. still raw. But now it feels like, you know, starting to scab yeah, we over. We can heal. Yeah, exactly. We can heal. And so that yeah. feels really good going into 2023. It was nice um, hearing Jake Stravinsky say, wow, it was surprising how fast this went. Because in yes. the middle of it, it was like, why isn't he in jail yet? It didn't like, feel fast. Wh- it did not feel fast. He's getting away. We're watching him get away with it. Oh, he's in jail. Just kidding. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, uh, in the me- in the meanwhile, Brian Armstrong was actually uh, p- putting together a regulatory proposal in his his post about this. This kind of reminded me of the um, the antithesis yes, of SBF's the, the inverse, uh, post yeah. on regulatory that, that that happened like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. or sorry, two months ago, I guess. And this is a post from from Brian Armstrong. Uh, I tweeted this out less than sixty days ago. I read SBF's crypto regulatory proposal it was hot garbage and it turned out so was ftx uh the proposal we saw from brian armstrong was much more practical and saying here's the full post on uh coinbase what's the tldr of this what is um armstrong saying the title of this post is regulating crypto how do we move forward as an industry from here what is he saying about how we move forward david yeah there are are three pillars that he puts into this uh into this proposal one is create regulatory clarity for centralized actors no surprise there he names three further centralized actors that he wants clarity for stable coins exchanges and custodians and commodities commodities and securities uh so making it more clear as to who can issue a stable coin and how that can be structured he even uh gives a little uh, tidbit as to like if you're a bank you can issue a stable coin and do fractional reserve if you are uh, going to be compliant in all the, the banking licenses. Exchanges and custodians, of course, need, need uh, more regulation there. And then also commodities and securities just need clarity on what's a commodity, what's a security, things we've been asking for forever. Uh, and so that's the first pillar. The second pillar is enforce a level playing field. This is definitely a tip of the hat to how onshore United States exchanges fe- uh, felt super hamstrung to just the uh, amazing like set of products that FTX was able to produce because they were not onshore. And so in order to be competitive, our American exchange and also keep American U.S. money onshore, we need our exchanges to be competitive. So that's number two, enforce a level playing field. And three, let innovation happen in decentralized crypto. Brian Armstrong always keeping DeFi in mind and saying like, hey, we the whole point of crypto is to be like decentralized and do decentralized stuff. So let that thing grow and regulate the centralized actors like Coinbase appropriately. Uh, these are three fantastic pillars. They, it, it's, it was so refreshing to read this thing. It's like, oh, this makes just so much rational, logical sense. We don't even have to overthink this. Yeah, and thank you, Brian, for posting this. Yeah, and I mean, part of this was in the DCCPA, right? The, definitely sure. part of kind of the exchange regulation. There wasn't as much on, on uh, stable coins. Um, but there was in the DCCPA, the legislation of which uh, SBF was a proponent, some language about um, securities versus commodities and some clarity there. There was a little something. I don't know if it went as far enough. But the difference is with the DCCPA is it basically treated all of DeFi as if it was a centralized exchange. 
right. and required similar levels of, of compliance and registration, even down to kind of like the front ends. Absolutely terrible um, piece of legislation that SBF seemed like he was crafting in order to like pull up the ladder on all of the innovation that would come after him and, and install protections for FTX. Now, um, this is not what Coinbase is saying at all, not what Brian is saying at all. And, um, you know, I think he means it. I, I definitely, I hope he means it. But this at least is sensible, right? Let's kick the can down the road for DeFi. It doesn't need this level of regulation at this point in time. The easy wins clearly here in the U.S. from a regulatory perspective are stable coins. Mm-hmm. Let's do the thing where we get a Bitcoin ETF and it's an actually a Bitcoin ETF. Let's finally hear with complete clarity from uh, our regulators and lawmakers that ETH is not a security. Like, can we just do that? I mean, these are the easy, low-hanging fruit stuff uh, that where, where you can kind of institute this and allow uh, DeFi to continue to flourish in, in the U.S. So uh, it seems like a no-brainer to me. It's, of mm-hmm. course, not the perspective of um, all lawmakers here. But um, yeah, this is uh, this is a refreshing take on things. And yeah, it's, I think, it I think departs- certain like status lawmakers are going to look at this thing and it's like, but how do we surveil people and stuff like that and stuff that's like we're just, just not going to be able to come to terms with. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's where I'm happy to fight the battles. But this meme yeah. of like, oh, p- people in crypto don't want any regulation. No, we just, we don't want dumb regulation. We don't want that's, your regulation. We don't want, <laughs> yes. If you're going to make regulation mean ban DeFi effectively, right. then like, uh-huh. no, that's dumb. <laughs> yes. Don't do that. Um, David, there's some cool stuff yeah. going on at Visa, though, stepping to the frontier. What's this about? Yeah, so global payments uh, giant Visa signaled stronger and sustained interest in crypto, releasing a paper outlining how the firm could one day collaborate with the Ethereum network on automatic payments. And so they uh, released a document, a research document of sorts, talking about account abstraction, which is a 400-level Ethereum topic, crypto topic, uh, and how account and account abstraction wallet could enable Visa to set up automatic payments for monthly bills. So inside of this article, uh, here's a quote, many of us rely on automatic payments to pay monthly bills. In a few simple steps, we can set up reoccurring payments with a local utility or subscription provider with blockchain technology, pr- potentially representing a new way to process payments in a distributed and programmable fashion. Could this everyday payment experience be replicated or even improved? on the blockchain with the punchline visa is exploring exactly that and so this is a technical piece where visa outlines how to write a smart contract app for a self-custodial wallet where that wallet is maintained exclusively by the user and the user has the private key and the application allows a user to set up a programmable payment instructions to push funds from their self-custodial wallet to another wallet at reoccurring intervals without using the user's participation at each time. Basically, uh, an automation of what uh, a lot of just commerce is, but Visa is exploring how to do this with self-custodied uh, account abstracted wallets on ethereum and they are researching they are pushing the frontier here so this is super cool self-custodied reoccurring payments is a mm-hmm. fantastic use case and bypasses mm-hmm. the banks completely how mm-hmm. cool is that you know what else is cool david is this is actually a hackathon project that they've implemented and mm-hmm. you know uh, account abstraction is not yet available on ethereum in the mainnet but it is available right now in um, a Starkware yeah. in, that, in the Starknet ecosystem. And so they actually built this fully out on Starknet using Argent mm. as the wallet. This is another example, I think, of like the Ethereum mainnet will be sort of more conservative 
fair while. And some of the innovation, like we already have account abstraction in StarkNet, some of that will start to happen in layer twos. It is incredibly bullish in terms of how we push push this industry forward using sort of layer twos as our frontier for innovation and technology. And they could deploy this kind of thing on a layer two, even mm-hmm. uh, absent the Ethereum mainnet supporting account abstraction. Super cool, man. Yeah, great stuff, great stuff. All right, coming up next, the metrics behind the Trump NFT drop. I know y'all <laughs> wanted to hear exactly how many newbies bought Trump NFTs. You know, we were here for your Trump impression, David. <laughs> I, got, I got none more of that. So, Ryan, what do you think? More than 50% new buyers or more than 50% of them are NFT uh, speculators? Ooh, I'm going to go with uh, new buyers, more okay. than 50%. All I right. think this reached an entirely new audience. All right. I was we'll not see. compelled by it, but we I think see. others would be. Yeah. Okay. The other things as well, REN protocol is in trouble. Uh, REN, the the bridge that puts assets on one chain across to another chain. We'll talk about that. And also Binance bailout. Not a Binance, uh, not a bailout for Binance, but Binance bailing somebody out who is getting bailed out by Binance. All of this and more right after we talk to some fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless. It was recently announced that MoonPay, the on-ramp, is now integrated directly into the Uniswap front end. So you can now buy tokens on Uniswap directly through Uniswap using MoonPay. Uh, That's got to be one of the fastest on-ramps into Ethereum that I can think of. Direct to Uniswap, just straight into the shit coins, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't have to. (laughs) That's a a choice. Look, there is great personal responsibility when it comes to to crypto because you can literally buy anything on Uniswap and it's Mm -hmm. completely up to you. Um, But this is really cool. This is a screenshot of of how it looks. And you can see this is fully integrated into the Uniswap app where you could just buy crypto directly from uh, Uniswap. So save a a step in the process and not have to transfer through an exchange. I wonder if Uh, we're ever going to see uh, PayPal there. I would imagine so. I mean, there's going to be all sorts of different. On-ramps are a big deal, like a big freaking deal. Um, Mm. And um, it's cool to see some of these larger companies getting in the game there. Uh, But David, what's going on with REN protocol? First of all, what is REN protocol? Mm -hmm. Because it's been a while since um, I've heard that name, actually. And last I recall, it was like some sort of a a cross-chain asset bridge of some Mm -hmm. sort. So if I wanted my ETH on, um, well, if I wanted my Bitcoin on ETH, I could use REN in order to get there somehow. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so REN BTC is a token that you could buy on uh, Uniswap. However, with this news, I wouldn't suggest it in this present moment. Um, but it was basically this, think of this like a just like a mesh layer between many, many, many chains. A very ambitious project. It's like a mesh layer between many chains that had its own token called REN. Uh, and REN was the asset that economically secured all of the cross-chain transfers of assets. So it was like a bridge, but a hyperlinked bridge across all the blockchains. At least that's what the vision was um that it it was actually bought by alameda back in february shortly after being bought by alameda started supporting solana uh because in hindsight now we know that we need to do everything we need to do to prop up the price of soul because that's what sam was using as collateral but i digress anyways (laughs) now that alameda bought ren and then is now defunct uh there's no more funding for ren and so according to this article uh uh, Alameda was re- contributing $700,000 per quarter to keep the REN operation going. Uh, and during a community call last month, REN revealed that it only had 16, 
$160,000 left in funding, only enough cash to get down to the end of the year. Uh, and so uh, there's probably further details about what this means if you are a holder of REN tokens. Uh, so click that link in the show notes to go dive down that rabbit hole to see what you need to do. Um, but uh, the REN 1.0 network is shutting down. And they, they are saying that compatibility between REN 1.0 and 2.0 cannot be guaranteed. So if you are a holder of REN 1.0 assets, you should probably do something uh, by and something I mean, like go back to uh, port your REN tokens back to their native assets. Uh, so uh, definitely pay attention to that if you are a holder of any REN tokens. I've never been a huge fan of this sort of bridging personally. It's always I've never felt gotten insecure. Into it. Like, yeah. I'm glad that it's that it's there as an option, but also like not glad because I think mm-hmm. it provides a false sense of security because really the security of that REN Bitcoin on ETH is kind of backed by the value of REN, the right. token itself. Yeah. And it was always and the, proto- and the security of the protocol too, which is also unknown. Yeah. Um, I'm not particularly bullish these types of bridging yeah. solutions, much more bullish kind of layer twos and trustless bridges. <laughs> They seem to be a very seasonal thing because I remember this being a, a topic of conversation during the the height of the last bull market, like during the last bull market. Yeah, interoperability it's always a meme and it, it seems to be like one of these things that gets a lot of funding during the bull markets and starts to work during the bull markets and then breaks during the bear markets every single time however i will say that ren actually did stick around throughout last bear market it has been around for two cycles um but perhaps let's no talk longer. about yeah perhaps no longer let's talk about eth global what's happening in 2023 like all around the world there's 18 different hackathons is that right yeah so many so many yeah so eth global released their big 2023 schedule so if you are a developer who is a hackathon attendor here we go scaling ethereum in march eth global tokyo in april eth global istanbul in may eth global toronto in june paris in july that's right after ecc new york in september i'll probably be there uh uh, and then uh, ETH Online in October, and then ETH Global at DevCon sometime in 2024. So if you are a hackathon attendor, their schedule is out. So mark your calendars for 2023. Uh, build market. That's what we're mm-hmm. doing here. We're building um, DevCon. Has that location been announced yet, David? No, no, it has not. Okay. Uh, we'll have to see. I'm waiting with bated breath. All right, let's talk about those Trump NFTs, baby. Uh, Trump made, did you know this? I don't know about your 50% question earlier, but... I do know he made about six point seven million on NFTs last week, and I also know David for Trump. That means he ain't leaving; yeah. he's here to stay. <laughs> Trump NFT drop in two point coming very soon. Yeah, I, I mean, I should mention all of that money probably didn't go directly into Trump's pockets. I'm sure this was some sort of licensing deal where some third party was doing this on his behalf. But you know, he got a sizable cut using his oh, yeah. likeness and the Trump brand and yeah. his face and his uh, muscly chiseled body on some of these <laughs> nfts that had to come with the cost so give us the stats what, what was what is the case is it it are, are a bunch of new nft mm-hmm. users in these trump nfts or are these the same old dgens that are now like aping into trump nfts and dumping them yeah so zero x sydney put together a fantastic thread detailing some of these metrics uh so about fifteen thousand point eight total holders and about 65% of that, about 10,000 wallets, only hold one card. Uh, so that's a pretty good distribution, I'd say. Uh, yeah, so like skipping down to, uh, let's go down to... Wait, one <laughs> second here. The largest whale is, is oh, is the team, and they have 1,000 cards. I thought yeah. somebody bought 1,000. The second no. largest holder has 329 cards. 
all purchased from the secondary market. They didn't even mint it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. And, and like the, this per, the particular person who bought 329 cars on the secondary uh, has transactions in their wallet that goes back to 500 days ago, both on Polygon and on Ethereum. So this is it not was, it was Donald. It was Donald Trump Jr. He, he bought those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the person that paid the, for the highest sale uh, was a whopping 37 ETH, and they own 24 Trump cards, all purchased wow. from secondaries. Wow. Paid a total of 72 ETH across the entire collection. Wow. Wow. $84,000. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So they're doing okay. (laughs) About 9.7 thousand holders do not hold any Matic or Ether, which means that they are likely a first time NFT purchaser that probably paid with a credit card. So that is our assumption of these are all first time crypto users. 9.7 thousand people bought one Trump card and they don't have any ETH or Matic in their wallet. It means they don't have any gas to pay to transfer those things. So if you do the math, 9.7 are crypto noobs, 12.8 total minted the collection. So that brings us to a whopping 76% of new crypto users because of the Trump NFT. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. So what do we do here? Uh, more private keys in more hands is net good thing, right? More yeah, NFT that's, use? That's what we say. Net good. <laughs> it's, it's, we got Trump people onboarded. Onboarding people to crypto. Um, yeah. Look at the floor price of these things right now. It's uh, 0.23 wow. at the time of 0. recording. 0.23 for 45,000 units? Is that is that really true? Forty five thousand items, yes. Yeah, at point two three, almost a quarter ETH. of an ETH. What the absolute <laughs> f, dude? That is insane. <laughs> um, I don't think I've paid much attention to these things. It's just it's basically pictures of Trump. Um, That's two hundred and seventy six dollars for a floor NFT, and the minimum price was one hundred dollars. So it does like, not appear to me like a lot of time went into these things. It's just Trump. No, this um, is this is one picture of Trump with different things photoshopped on him. It's, there is only one photo of Trump. The the entire collection is just one Trump photo. It's just one Trump photo, and then he has different backgrounds, different suits, different bodies, different hats, but it's just one Trump photo. Look, I am not a um, NFT aficionado, but um, I might call this a low effort NFT, David. <laughs> I don't know your take. Man, they on made forty five thousand of them. <laughs> That's a lot of quantity. Yeah. I don't know about the quality though. <laughs> one, uh, teach their own though. One stance, one photo of Trump. It's wow. just a JPEG. You buy the JPEG. Uh, wow. I hope everyone knows. And I guess getting onboarded into the Polygon network as a result. I wonder how many of those users actually like learned how to use metamask through this for, for example it must have been a lot yeah oh this was funny did you see this tweet thread so this was a no. tweet thread because because there's one photo right so like where did they get all of the bodies uh yes. and so apparently there's these are all like shutterstock images that they just like pulled Photoshop. off of a shutterstock image and then slapped it onto trump's and like edited it for a little <laughs> bit and like there's so many examples of these of like where they got the tuxedo for trump and then they just slapped it on there it's just the most on-brand thing I can think of for Trump, just like one <laughs> Trump photo, like 10,000 like Shutterstock stock images just slapped on there. Uh, and they, they, for a photo crush job, it. they look pretty good and also I mean, crushing it. Yeah. Also like crushing it in terms of volume and sales. Um, yeah. Pretty amazing there. Yeah. Um, oh, all right. Well, tr- Trump is here. So is Reddit, of course. Reddit, they just launched another free NFT collection. They've been crushing it toward mm-hmm. the end of this year. Um, <clears throat> five days ago is called the recap 2022. This was free, but it already David has 1.3 million owners. 
They call these not NFTs in the Reddit ecosystem. They call them digital collectibles. Mm -hmm. And the community is definitely collecting them. 1.3 million owners of this thing. This is all happening behind the scenes. I think that's pretty amazing as well. Yeah, and mainly, I don't think, I would say the majority of these people don't know that they're NFTs uh, because, like, there's no trading volume on these things. They're not they're not getting, like, transferred around. Right. Um, here is a uh, graph from Hill Dobby, and this is a, maybe a sobering graph of some of the NFT market from 2022. Um, what are we looking at here? Yeah, so this is wash trading on Ethereum, Ethereum NFT wash trading volume, and there was basically zero wash trading up until about, I think like the start of this year, maybe like January of 2022. Uh, and you know, the, I mean, you said sobering, but also Ryan, remember this is when, uh, looks rare launched and looks rare and, and, um, incentivized wash trading, basically trading in general, which created wash trading. And what is wash trading for people who don't have a crisp definition of that? It's when you like buy and sell an NFT immediately. Uh, And so perhaps you do that from one wallet to another. Uh, you do it to a friend. You just, you just do fake trade. It's not a real trade. You fake a trade. And why Uh, would you do this? Why are you trying to fake A whole number of reasons for, for looks rare. It's to, uh, to earn the looks tokens because you Mm. were paid for volume on looks rare uh you can also do it to uh launder money if that's your vibe don't suggest it uh you can also do it to uh do t- uh, tax locks harvesting as well um there's plenty of ways to there's plenty of reasons to, to uh, wash an nft trade some legitimate some not legitimate um yeah anyways so this graphic uh, is, is showing a lot of the volume this is a 44 mm-hmm. percent of the volume traded in all of 2022 was wash traded uh, I mean, yeah, looks like it. Yeah, it was definitely concentrated in the middle of the height of the mania. It's definitely come down now. But wash trading is probably going to be a thing that is just, I'm not going to say plagues, because again, it's not inherently negative, um, but it's going to be tie- a thing, something that's like always going to be a part of the NFT industry. I love that you can see this all on chain though, right? And um, yeah. this is a, sort of a citizen journalist type, uh, Hill mm-hmm. Dobby, who's constantly coming up with these fantastic analytics. Uh, Dune analytics master, yeah. Yeah, he's just crazy at this. Um, mm-hmm. Christie's down kind of bad from an NFT perspective, at least from those 2022 highs. Uh, they Their sales, Christie's NFT sales fell 96% in 2022. Not unexpected. Um, but when you look at these numbers, David... Uh, Art Auction House Christie's sold 87 NFTs for a total of 5.9 million in 2022, and that was down 96% compared to 2021. So um, must have been hundreds of millions previously. Yeah, 150 million in 2021. So a down year for Christie's from that perspective. Yeah, I just don't think anyone's surprised by this. And also, Christie's continues to make uh, investments and efforts into building out uh, like virtual auction houses for NFTs for moving forward. So I don't, even though they're down, I think they are still bullish. Look, they're so psyched about the new growth op- like opportunity that they didn't previously have. And now they we have digital art. Um, let's talk about some more digital art that's coming, a digital book collectible. This is the last in a series of five we are calling the uh, the Genesis Collection, where you can get an NFT of five of our favorite Bankless podcasts. And this is the original collection. There's only going to be five of these. The last one is getting issued tomorrow. And the last one is another one of my favorite episodes of all time. David, what are we releasing tomorrow? Uh, the fifth of five of the Genesis Collection is, of course, none other than Vitalik Buterin. Who else could it be? Uh, <laughs> and we are going to tokenize episode 99, Endgame. 
which I think was a fantastic episode about the long-term uh, philosophy of the Ethereum roadmap uh, and not just the technical details, but why it is what it is. So if you want to collect the Ethereum roadmap as a podcast with Vitalik Buterin, that is available at collectibles.bankless.com at noon Eastern time on Friday, tomorrow. Uh, well, today, if you're listening to this tomorrow, Friday. <laughs> Sorry about <laughs> it's, that. It's today. It's today. It's the 23rd of December, 12 thank p.m. You. Eastern. Thank you. You can pick that up. Uh, and uh, the previous ones have gone fast, like the Drake yeah, ones. Three blocks. Uh, They're sold out yeah. in three blocks. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk Bitcoin stuff. And I guess the story around Bitcoin right now is a bunch of Bitcoin miners going yeah. bankrupt <clears throat> or on the verge of bankruptcy. What's this one, David? Yeah. Core Scientific, which is one of the bigger Bitcoin miners out there, has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Uh, it's one of the largest publicly traded mining firms, uh, still generating positive cash flow, but just not enough to pay back the debts that uh, it owes. Uh, and so when energy prices go up, which energy prices are up big right now, and also Bitcoin prices go down, Ryan, that is bad for the mining industry. That is not what you want. Uh, and so, uh, of course, scientific estimated assets and liabilities is at between one and $10 billion, uh, $1 billion of assets, $10 billion of liabilities, uh, and has between one and 5,000 creditors per its filing. Oof. Well, here's the thing, David, is, uh, this always ends up leading to consolidation, doesn't it? Yeah. Because who's going to buy these assets? A, a stronger, healthier Bitcoin mining company that was able to weather this storm. They're going to end up purchasing <laughs> these assets. And so the big fish get bigger and um, the kind of the smaller weak fish get weeded out and they die. And then you get increasing consolidation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I think that's this is... always been my take as well, that like the, the, the destruction of Bitcoin miners at the bottom of the bowl, bottom of the bear always leads to consolidation. When I gave this, that take to Bitcoiners, the, they say, well, actually the biggest fish dissolve and a lot of the cheaper fish, smaller fish get to buy up discounted mining equipment. So that was their retort to that. I don't know that that practically happens just because the economies of scale and the risks to launch it, like injecting enough capital to launch something like this are so large uh, these days in particular. Like you have to have a lot of capital in order to inject this. It makes I, sense to me. <laughs> the, the Bitcoin um, uh, take on this is interesting about proof of work is that it, it's a free market. Anyone can enter. Mm-hmm. Um but actually, I, I find staking much more compelling it's, from that perspective. Yeah. Uh-huh. As a solo staker is never going to have to go bankrupt and go out right. of business, are they? Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, you, you don't their... need to invest to get ahead of your competition. Yeah. You just put Ether into your validator. Uh, it's interesting. I think uh, more more might be ahead uh, as they weather the storm. But let's talk about Binance, all right? Maybe Binance is doing the thing that FTX could not, which is Was actually do, purchasing yeah. Voyager <laughs> and helping to bail out some of the Voyager depositors. W- refresh us. Who is Voyager mm-hmm. uh, again? And so, and what is what? What's the story there? And what's Binance doing? Yeah, Voyager is the digital currency exchange that uh, gave a $660 million unsecured loan to Three Arrows Capital, who vaporized that loan uh, and was unable to pay Voyager back, which caused Voyager to go into bankruptcy. Uh, And now Binance US is now looking to acquire... Oh, uh, but no, not before Alameda attempted to bail out Voyager. So Alameda gave, I think, Voyager like a $250 million line of revolving line of credit to maintain liquidity. Uh, And then Alameda went bust. Uh, And so here we are. Now Binance US has uh, won a $1.02 billion bid to buy uh, Voyager Digital and all of their distressed assets. Uh, And so this is looking like this is going to happen. Uh, So cool. 
I guess. This is cool. uh, some light at the end of the, t- of the tunnel for anyone who had assets inside of Voyager. You might be able to get your money back as a result of this. Are we worried about this, though? Is this like, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of deja vu. A big crypto banker steps in, not SBF this time, it's CZ, going and buying the assets. Um, I just, it feels kind of similar to a recent pattern. But yeah. Is, is, is CZ different than SBF, I, though? I, That's I, the root question. Is it? Is it ridiculous for me to say like let's just give CZ the benefit of the doubt? I don't know. He made he made it through two market cycles, uh, and he's well, he's he's doing the main character thing right now, which is a little bit concerning. But like I don't know, he hasn't indicated anything that uh, Binance is completely uh, like Binance is above board as far as I can tell. That's the thing. That's the the then statement is as far as we can tell, and we don't yeah. know for sure. But I guess the the other option for Voyager was what complete Chapter yeah, Eleven bankruptcy, death. go bust. Your right. death. So yeah. this has got to be at least better than that. This is a lifeline. This is some hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see if uh, Binance and CZ can pull this off. Um, this is a take, David. I saw this week. So this is the Senate banking chairman says when asked about banning cryptocurrency, maybe could be a good idea. Not too sure. Here's a quote from him. Maybe banning it, although banning it is very difficult because it will go offshore and who knows how that will work. Some of the senator type conversation is um, absolutely maddening to me. A message to Sherard Brown. Um, You said banning it would be very difficult because it will go offshore. Let me give you another reason why it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult because we will fight you the entire time. These are our digital property rights, Senator Brown. These are important. This is not only um, difficult because it will go offshore. It's difficult because this is a breach of our constitutional rights to own these sorts of assets and to preserve our privacy. Um, So (laughs) I think... Also, I got news for you, Senator Brown. It's already offshore. If you ban it here, (laughs) you're just banning your own citizens from accessing something that already exists. It's not going to go offshore. It's it's already... It's on the internet, bro. I think some of this is posturing, uh, similar to the kind of... I think some of this thing is just being uneducated about how this works. Uh, Maybe maybe we'll ban crypto because I'm a regulator and I can do whatever the hell I want. I'll just ban that. Oh, you like that? I'll ban it. No, bro. (laughs) Like, it's not how it works. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, this would obviously be challenged in court. There'd be a lot of reasons why crypto is going to be difficult to ban, including, as he rightly points out, that it would be completely ineffective and counterproductive. So um, (laughs) let's hope logic holds as we get into 2022. My God. David, jobs time. (laughs) This might be the last time we tell you in 2022 (laughs) that you should get a job in crypto. Even now, even during the bear market, it's a good time to work in crypto for companies that are hiring I'm going to read out the jobs ETH, on the ETH jobs and Bitcoin-denominated salaries are at all-time highs right now. <laughs> Silver lining. I love it. <laughs> Alchemy's hiring a back-end engineer. Uniswap Labs, they need a senior front-end engineer. Diagram Ventures needs an associate for crypto venture creation. Rabbit Hole, business operations person. Diagram Ventures is uh, continuing to hire two, I guess, crypto venture creation specialists. MakerDAO needs a legal counsel. I could go on, but I don't have to because these are posted on bankless.palette.com slash jobs, and you can get a job in crypto and start 2023 off right. All right, David, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, we got some hot takes from crypto Twitter, and then Ryan and I take some time to shit on Wells Fargo because, you know, it's the end of the year. You got you to <laughs> punch him on the way out. Uh, and then, of course, we got the meme of the week. So all of that and more. First, though, we have to talk to some of these fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless. Here's a tweet that I saw this week, Ryan, uh, which documents the penalties that Wells Fargo has accru- accrued since 2012. Um, 
2012, 5.3 billion paid for mortgage abuses. In 2013, 1.9 billion paid for banking violations. In 2018, 2 billion was paid for toxic securities abuses. In 2020, 3 billion was paid for fraud. And in 2022, just recently, 3.7 billion was paid for customer abuses. These are all collective penalties that Wells Fargo has paid. And I was doing a little bit of a deep dive uh, just to fact check this. You know how many billions of dollars Wells Fargo has paid since 2000 in penalties, Ryan? I bet we're in double digits here. We are at $20 billion of penalties paid by Wells Fargo since 2020. And I just really want to drive two more points home on this. Wait, since 2000? Excuse me, since 2000. Since 2000, Since 2000, okay. One... It's it, the twenty billion dollars that they paid since 20, since two thousand is just a fraction of the money that they made because they keep on doing yeah. it. Yeah. So like they made it's more money that it's these are all slaps on the Speeding wrist. So, th- so think about all of the shady ways that they made money and how much money you think that they made when they only paid twenty billion dollars. So that's the first point I want to drive home. Second point is you don't get caught the first time you do something. And so, like, we actually don't know what they... This, these are just the things that we know about. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> these are the things the that they've the just iceberg. been caught for. And so, like, it's, they were fined $3.7 billion in 2022 for customer abuses. I'm going to go ahead and guess. They've been abusing customers the whole time. I'm going to go ahead and guess <laughs> that that's the goddamn business model of the goddamn company. And it just happened to be that in 2022, well, the, the, uh, the, the nation state said, hey, you're doing things a little bit shady. Pay us $3.7 yeah. $3. billion to continue and we'll keep and we'll just find you a few more billion dollars in a few we years. We look good. You, you, you look know, good. Yeah. You get still get to farm your yield farm your customers. Yeah, absolutely insane. Do you know what's um crazy about this too? As I look at this rap sheet, you know, a five point three billion in twenty twelve, one point nine billion in two thousand thirteen, two billion in twenty eighteen. I mean, this is a repeat offender, David. Yeah. It's not like it's just they, they just lesson. change what they are calling their the offense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mortgage abuses banking violations like, toxic security okay. abuses fraud customer abuses those could all be the same thing <laughs> how does this link to going bankless all right it's just like banks suck we know from a ux perspective they're also um preying on their customers it seems like with kind of a rent seeking uh in many ways toxic business model um bankless has always been about using less banks over time by the way, um, somebody somebody over the weekend on, on Twitter tried to um, tried to nail us and and get us with a gotcha, which was basically like, uh, David and Ryan, are you guys even bankless anyway, or do you secretly have bank accounts? Do you think we don't my eighty two year old landlord accepts Ethereum? No, <laughs> does not. We don't we don't secretly have bank accounts. We publicly have yes, bank accounts. We've talked about this forever. Yes, we want to have less bank accounts yeah. over time. And every year, a benchmark for me, David, since I've been on this crypto journey, mm-hmm. is like is my, more of my net worth outside of banks than inside of banks. Number mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. and am I using uh, crypto money systems more than I'm using? my wells fargo account i like literally have a wells fargo account that i'm Mm -hmm. stuck with because i have to pay bills in real life all right and every single year that those two uh, metrics have gone up in that Mm -hmm. i have been more bankless this Mm -hmm. year than i was in the previous year and that's what this journey is about um because uh look (laughs) this is these predatory practices this kind of landlord rent seeking Mm -hmm. middleman type of behavior that most of the time um, goes unchecked we can solve this at the protocol level how yeah. everybody owns their own money we don't require 
the banks to give us permission to withdraw money from an account. We can have a smart contract wallet with a circle mm-hmm. of social recovery, a small set of uh, friends and family that I trust to help me reco- re- you know, recover my keys. I can use DeFi rather than use the traditional banking system. That's why we're on this journey. So Wells Fargo can't screw us mm-hmm. any longer. Nice rant. That's great. That's <laughs> it's it. like the, It's really just a matter of just like my Wells Fargo account is like gathering dust. And you know how I know this is like, I have to reset my password every time I log in because I can always forget it. <laughs> you really? Yeah. I mean, then I got a password manager and now I don't have to have do you, that anymore. Have you actually gone in person to Wells Fargo this year? I remember, I remember we used to do that. Like this year. No, not this year. Uh, our banks. Oh, no, I did have, because I needed to get quarters. Remember we used to do like bankless paychecks with like actual physical checks. Right. I think yeah. you had to like show up at Wells Fargo and like yeah, cash those checks with your bankless right, t-shirt. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Our, 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 um, our, our previous bank, by the way, uh, um, bankless the, the the company the entity mm-hmm. uh, was previously banked with um, bank of america and they yep. sent us a dear john letter and kicked us mm-hmm. out one day and they made so us we have bankless, a nice little yeah. community uh credit union so ironic that uh mm-hmm. you know we actually were made bankless yeah. um but anyway that's wells fargo continuing to uh be great <laughs> be great <laughs> <laughs> be really good content for this podcast that's for sure so oh, here's the, here's the associated meme with this is like uh so after wells fargo gets violated <laughs> pays violations here's my favorite spongebob meme which is the spongebob looking at that rock and he goes like oh when we see me running this is an esoteric spongebob meme he's like he's like basically the flash and he goes like want, want to see me go and touch that rock want to see me do it again <laughs> if, if you don't if you didn't get the spongebob me then you didn't get it i'm sorry i butchered that but whatever bankless fans are going crazy right now yeah. they're uh-huh. wild with uh-huh. excitement um just a reminder this is from me i actually received a uh, binance account deactivation notice um oh, good this for week. you from an old binance account that uh, that i had that uh, i no longer used um this is what it looked like uh account deactivation uh, deactivation notice thank you for your support of binance this is to inform you that your account has been flagged by a third-party compliance tool and we've taken a tough decision to terminate the service. You may withdraw your funds and ask that you do it before uh, December 27th. So they gave me like 10 days or something. Afterward, your uh, Binance account will be permanently deactivated. Look, this is just a, a PSA uh, for us to remember that the, um, the crypto banks that we use, they can provide a fantastic service, are very important, great crypto platforms. Um, they could still deactivate your account. What mm-hmm. is the definition of, of a bank? is you you can deactivate your account. Yeah. And so this is why we are such advocates of of decentralized financial systems like Ethereum. An ETH address can never be deactivated. I'm never going to get an email or a message like that saying you can no longer access your private keys uh, on Ethereum, right? That just can't happen. Right. Um, I have direct access to it and always will. And so that is, I think, a distinction that a lot of people learned in 2022. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just another reminder of it when mm-hmm. I got this account notice from Binance. And then there was a, you, you had a, a critique, a critique or Oriel Zengo who said, okay, but your Ethereum wallet can be stolen, fished, lost, tricked in malicious scams. Oh, and your reply is exactly what I was going to say. Yes. Those are all <laughs> things that you as an individual have control over as somebody that has like juggled 50 wallets over the last like five years, never lost a single one, never gotten fished, never, never been tricked in a malicious scam, uh, except for that one iota scam. Uh, and I haven't <laughs> even though, and I, I'm like, I've never been stolen. So like, 
yes, it can be those things, but that's because I'm in control. Like stolen fish, lost, tricked, and like that, that could happen to your Wells Fargo, probably. Like, like, but that's their problem. Now it's your problem. Funny. Do you know the only time I've actually like lost um, sums of money in crypto? Mm-hmm. It's actually been uh, on um, crypto banks, C five oh, really? lending platforms. Really? Yeah. It, yeah. Remember, like I've I've lost oh, uh, a little, yeah, bit, in yeah, a yeah, little yeah, bit in Celsius, a little bit in BlockFi. Right. Uh-huh. Those are the only times I've yeah, actually lost they'll, money. They'll, so you can't lose your own money. You'll just trust somebody else to lose it for you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right, man. Um, well, it's been a year, hasn't it, David? Uh, mm-hmm. It's been a fun year. It's Good in so year. many ways. 51 um, weekly roll-ups. Yeah. I'm going to do the 50 second. I'm going to do the 50 second next week, but you're going to be out. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But well, let's, let's uh, end with this then. What are you bullish on? And uh, this could be this week. This could be going into 2023. Whatever you're bullish on right now. Oh, I'm bullish on 2023. The the whole entire year, uh, <laughs> and not just not just in crypto. Although, like when I'll say it again, when prices are this low and when we're down this bad, like it's kind of like up only. Uh, hopefully, like the upside is larger than the downside. That's for sure. Yes. But what yes. I'm talking about in 2023 is a little bit just more like. Um, 2022 was challenging uh, for the crypto world, also for Bankless. Uh, and you know, I know you know this. Like, team has grown bigly. Uh, we're doing some really ambitious things, uh, and uh, I've now I'm I'm at the point in my own personal life where like, oh, I can't just like ape into 2023 without like a plan. And so like, I've got my calendar up. I was like, in this month I'm doing this, and <laughs> that month I'm doing that. Like, I need to have this done by this month. Uh, and so like, I, I'm just like leaning into the whole like structure thing and i encourage other bankless listeners to do something similar like if you for example were listening to the eth global hackathons and you want to go to some of those get a calendar put them on uh, also put eth denver on there put like eth cc on there like set up a goal a system of goals for 2023 uh because if you're going to win big in crypto it's good that's what it's going to take uh so ryan i'm bullish on 2023 being like a planned structured year for the, all of the crypto industry, for me personally, for Bankless, uh, and hopefully we can all just like plan the end of the bull market rather than just wait for it to happen. 100%. I'm so bullish on, on having a plan going into 2023. Well, you know I'm a planner, so yes, I'm always bullish You're on that. Planner, but like, yeah. that, that's, look, that's how you... Um, yeah. Too many people, I think, in in um, were just thrown by the seat of their pants and went wherever the wind mm-hmm. uh, carried them in 2021 and 2022. They didn't have a bedrock thesis for the space. They didn't have a plan for the space. They would uh, FOMO into things, uh, and you know, during the FUD times, they 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 would sell uh, at the bottoms. Like that's that's a recipe for disaster. You just get thrown around and tossed by the wind and you can never accomplish anything. So yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely bullish on having a plan too. Um, you know, you know what else I'm bullish on though, David? Tell me. I am bullish on 2023 being way smarter than 2022. Mm -hmm. 2022 was just dumb. Like it almost, uh, and I don't want this to sound glib, but I, I, th- I think we have some separation on it where we could zoom out and, and um, distance ourselves from it. But 2022 really needed to happen. Yeah. It absolutely needed to happen. Yeah. There's no way we could have a successful 2023 or 2024 without 2022 happening. Um, crypto is now way smarter. Uh, a lot of the tourists have left. A lot of the corrupt fraudsters are out too. Um, the shaky companies have been completely wrecked. Um, 
much of this was justified. Some of it didn't. It wasn't, of course, but but much of it was. And we're coming at, into 2023 way stronger, way smarter. Um, crypto didn't die once again. The once builders again. are still building. And uh, this is the the you know the underlined ever since we started this bankless podcast. We started this this podcast because there's a recognition I think that you and I have that uh, the world needs crypto more than ever. And going into 2023, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like the world needs crypto even more than when we started the podcast back in 2020, David. Yeah, big like, time. It's become more critical, more necessary. And we are smarter, we're uh, better capitalized, we have more builders in the space, we have a, a, a clear roadmap and direction for where we're going. So um, that's that's what I'm excited about, is we just got a lot smarter. 2023 mm-hmm. uh, is going to be a fantastic year. I think it could be one of the best years for for being in crypto. I don't God, have the yes. hopelessness that I had in, mm-hmm. in 2018, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, we'll get through this, uh, not a big deal. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. There was like a, a a vibe in about like 2019, I think, where it was the golden age of building in Ethereum. It's really the golden age that like so many of us during the peak of the bull market were like, man, I really want some of those quiet times to good come days. back. Those good, good days. days. That 2019 feels like 2023. It's like, yep. okay, the pain's behind us. There's just building left and just signal and and progress. That kind of feels like the, the right is this, timing. Is, is this, David, too stupid to map it? Is like uh, 2019 is like 2023, right? 2020 mm-hmm. is going to be 2024 analogous and then we're going to get another 2021 that's mm-hmm. going to be 2025 do you think it will like just play out pretty I, much exactly like that or close to that it's just another fractal pattern you you asked if it's too stupid to do that i think yes and it's still going to be right <laughs> 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 i think so too like that if, if you were to ask my just you know gun to my head prediction right. uh-huh. on how this is play that's exactly what i would yeah. say mm-hmm. i would say we'll have next year where we're building it's gonna be like 2019 mm-hmm. or just, yeah and it'll be 2023 will be just your builders there'll be some chop mm-hmm. uh it'll be boring it'll be all sideways action we won't mm-hmm. even get any big run-ups and right. then 2022 will hit and we'll have a glimmer and it'll be something like no, 2024 2024 oh 2024 will, will be the bull market but only in hindsight you exactly. won't know it in the moment and a small segment of people only the people who have stayed around will actually mm-hmm. see the glimmers mm-hmm. we won't get mainstream yeah. in 2024 it'll be like mm-hmm. 2022 and mm-hmm. then we'll have breakout in 2025 yeah and we'll get back to kind of mania yep. craziness yep 2021 we'll have it'll to tell everyone again. to calm yeah. down mm-hmm. we'll all uh, forget to then... sell it'll be great <laughs> <laughs> that that's what i would predict uh meme of the week <laughs> meme of what the are we looking at david how it started, Sam Bankman-Fried playing with some magic cards sitting in front of six monitors in his gaming chair looking like, uh, you know, a trader god is how it started. Uh, and now it's how it's going, which is being escorted with, you know, unshaved, unkempt, sweaty shirt into a jail. Wow. How it's going. This, these two pictures sum up the beginning of, of this okay. year and the end of this year. That's exactly just right. The top of 2022 out. and the bottom of 2022. Well, um, guys, Bankless listeners, on behalf of us to you, hope you enjoy some time with your family. Happy Mm -hmm. holidays. David's going to be with you next week, Mm -hmm. next Friday for the roll-up. Oh, I got to reach out to Anthony. (laughs) Never misses a roll-up, all right? That's Um, true. Uh -uh. I'm going to be gone, but he's going to give you a final send-off before the new year. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this year uh, with Bankless. We've we've certainly enjoyed bringing this to you, uh, even though it's been such a crazy year. It's Mm -hmm. been a lot of fun as well. So risks and disclaimers, got to end like this. None of this has been financial advice. Crypto 
is risky. 2022 taught us that. You could definitely lose what you put in. Some of you did, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.